Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. For we through the Spirit, Galatians 5 verse 5, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ, in, in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which produ- with, which worketh by love. We're only going to park on two verses of Scripture this morning. This starts off in verse number five. The, the word says for. When it's used in the beginning of a sentence, it's going to contrast what was said in the previous verse. And he, so here we're going to see a contrast. From verse number five to verse number four. Look at verse four. Look what it says. I want you to look at this. We're going to look at some words here. See how it says in verse four, no effect unto you. And then it says, whosoever of you. And then it says at the end, ye are fallen. You see that you, you, and ye in verse number four. Now look down at verse number five and how it starts. For we, and then through the Spirit. So verse 5 is going to draw out this clear contrast between the you and the we. If you want to be, or if you think you are, in any way, shape, or form, justified by the law, that's the you. That's you guys. That's what they say down south. That's y'all. If you think like that, if you're justified by the law, let me help you out in verse number five. Here's what we think. Here's we. We, through the spirit, here's what we do. We wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. That's what we're doing. We're hoping and we're waiting because we're Christians. We believe as I hope you believe, that God saves, how? By his grace. Because of that, this is important to get a hold of. I know this is simple. We think different. We think different. We believe that God saves by his grace. Therefore, as Christians, by default, we think different. We don't think like what these Judaizers think and what they're trying to bring into these Galatians. And Paul's been trying to help them out for the last four chapters of Scripture. So it says this is the first point we want to get the benefits of grace is number one. We wait. We wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Can the law save? No, no. There's no way the law can save. Then let me ask you this question. Why do some people think that you have to keep the law to live a righteous life? Families will come and go. Churches will have families that come and go. In the Christian life, there will be families that come and go. And we need to be careful that our family doesn't become the gospel. And if people don't do what our family does, somehow they're not right with God. God saves by his grace. That means 
wherever you are in your Christian walk, wherever I am in my Christian walk, we're saved by the same God, by the same grace. And we both, if we were to compare one to another, have access to that same exact grace. We do not become more spiritual because we are able to keep more laws or commands than someone else. However, don't you want for your family and don't I want for my family to live by God's commands and precepts and principles? We do. So the question becomes, well, how in the world do we do that? <laughs> because those of you that are raising children, we tell our kids, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Are they laws and commands? Get up, make your bed, get up. After you're done making your bed, brush your teeth, then brush your teeth, you start your school work. Do we all have those things? How many of us have had a job where we go and the boss says, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And if you don't follow the commands, you're out. I mean, our world is set up to follow rules and laws and commands. Well, unless you're the government, then you can just change them whenever you want. Everybody's got to go along with it. But we'll just get back to the Bible so we don't get stressed out with that stuff. So how in the world are we supposed to live the Christian life? I'm telling you, we can't. We're saved by grace. We have the God of grace. We preach grace. Yet we somehow forget that our life should be lived graciously. It's only by God's grace that he allows us to be able to find full enjoyment in following his laws and commands. How many of you know? This, as soon as I was old enough to be on my own and out of the house, you know what I did? What I wanted to do. I did what I wanted to do. So if what I wanted to do didn't line up with my mom and dad's rules, guess what? I did them. I know this is deep theology, but people do what they want to do. So I am asking you as a Christian, what do you want to do? Are God's words and his commands grievous? Then you are not going to do them if they're grievous to you. Are mom and dad's laws grievous? then you are not going to do them. I'm telling you, you can raise your child from, from, from birth to 18 years old. Drinking will hurt you. Alcohol isn't good for you. God doesn't want you drunk. Alcohol will bring death. It will bring you pain. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know when someone's old enough to do what they want to do, if they want to drink, you know what they're going to do? Drink. <laughs> What's going to stop them? A law or a command? Don't count on it. Laws and commands for parenting are great. We restrain our child from doing things that will harm them and we don't want them to do. I'm not saying I don't have them. I've got them. You've got them. Let's keep them. What I'm saying is we lose, if we lose sight of the fact that our training should be when they step out on the ring, they're able to fight the battle. They've got to take a hold of it. What am I saying here about these Galatians? The only way you're going to live a righteous life is to tap into the grace of God and praise him for it. Without God's grace, you're only doing something out of the power of the flesh. 
and it works short term. It might even work moderately term. But I'm telling you, long term, if you really want to find the joy and enjoyment of God and his word, learn to tap into his grace. And you will be able to live your life righteously, holy, godly, purely, <laughs> if you get a hold of God's grace. If not, you will end up doing outward things that look spiritual, but inside you will be bitter because you will say, well, nobody else does what I do. And believe me, I'm a preacher of God's word. I want everybody to follow God's word. I do. I want everybody to follow everything in God's word. But two things come to my mind. Number one, I don't do everything in God's word. It's easy to preach and it's easy to teach. What's the harder part to live? And the second thing is, I don't want to get bitterness in my heart because everybody isn't living up to God's word the way that it says. Because it just makes you a miserable person. <laughs> Expectations. Look, God expects some things from us. We just need to be careful. We just need to be real careful that we that we don't lose the graciousness and the grace of God. And that's the first distinction. We wait. Um, you don't have to turn here, but um, this waiting, uh, for we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. It should be guided by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8. Why don't we get that? Why don't you guys get Romans 8 and John 14? I think it'll be good to do that. Our waiting is us expecting our flesh to do something. No. The Holy Spirit to do something. We wait and we hope and we expect the Holy Spirit would produce something in our life. Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. For as many as are led by the flesh. No. For as many that are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What's leading your life? Is it the flesh or the spirit? Those of you raising children know children mainly are led by their fleshly impulses. They see something, they do it. They hear something, they go after it. So a lot of the training is to get them out of the control of their flesh. Don't follow the impulses of your flesh. How many times do we say this as a parent? Don't say it. Just, 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 just be quiet. Now think. Next time that you want to say that, think before you say it and then don't do it. <laughs> but isn't thinking it wrong? It is, but it's just. It's better if you just think it and don't say it. We need to control the flesh because the flesh so leads us. It so leads us. We need to be led by the spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. John 14. John 14 verse number 26. But the comforter. Which is the Holy Ghost. Whom the Father will send in my name, he, 
shall teach you all things. Who are you going to be taught by? I know that God gave the church pastors and teachers. But you can, you can only follow me as far as I follow Christ. And when I get off not following Christ, you've got to part ways. Do you read books? I read books. Do you read? Do you like? Do you have a favorite author? I have favorite authors. Do you read commentaries? I read commentaries. But where they part with the Bible, I have to part with the Bible. You can't respect the author of the book, the author of books, more than the author of the book. And so, what teachers are we going to follow? The Holy Spirit is your teacher. I give you something. You go in the Bible. You allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Or we can do it the other way. I give you the Bible and then I follow you around town all week and make sure you're living by the Bible. <laughs> which one you want? <laughs> I'll tell you which one I want, the Holy Spirit. Because if I'm following you around town all week, you're following me around town all week. And you're going to find out, look, the preacher does some things. The preacher gets in the flat. I'm not saying that's my goal. What I'm saying is I'm just like you. I battle the flesh just like you battle the flesh. And you know what we all have to do? We all have to have the same teacher, the Holy Spirit. That makes sense. It's so easy. I'm telling you, some of these churches, they can get people to do stuff by scaring the daylights out. I can scare you into doing things. But I'd rather preach them. I'd rather them be hard for you to hear. I'd rather you go home and in the car say, man, that preacher, I just don't like him and wrestle with it for a week or two and allow the Holy Spirit to change you rather than me going into your house and seeing, well, where's the liquor cabinet? I don't want you to have liquor. I want you to dump it down the toilet. I don't want you to drink. I don't want you to get involved in none of that stuff. I'm 100% against it. But if I force you to do something you don't want to do, you're going to do it anyway. You're going to do it anyway. So let's not forget the Holy Spirit. Uh, I know we're independent Baptists, and uh, we, we tend to go against the grain. If, you know, if a Pentecostal does it, we're not going to do it. Well, we can talk about the Holy Spirit, even though Pentecostals might take it to a level we don't take. Holy Spirit's real. <laughs> you ever hear the Trinity? It's the real thing. So, Let's go back to Galatians 5. We saw we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. We need to be taught by the Holy Spirit. And as we wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, the last thing I'd like you to see in this point is we need to trust the Holy Spirit to actually produce some fruit. Look what it says in Galatians 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is argumentation and contention and I'm better than you. No, oh, it doesn't say that. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. You witness to enough people and you try to tell them about Jesus. It will be real easy for your flesh to get bitter against people that are just sick and tired of hearing you. 
sometimes the solution to getting a hold of God's grace in our life is to not do anything except let's just have some love and some joy and some peace and some gentleness and long suffering and goodness and faith. Sometimes that's the solution to our problems. Let's just get a hold of God's joy and peace, the fruit of the spirit. So when we wait, this waiting, the use in verse four, they wanted to impose law and circumcision. And Paul's trying to get him to get a hold of, look, be guided by, be taught by, and expect the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in your life. You know how it happens? By the grace of God. Does God expect some things from you and I? He does. Should we also wait on the Holy Spirit to produce fruit? We should. That waiting contextually means expecting it to happen. Expect fruit. Second thing I'd like us to get a hold of. Well, let's let's do this. Okay, let's do this. Let's go. Let's go down to Leviticus chapter 20. All the way back. I'm going to show you something that's. If you don't know what I'm talking about when I say this, then just thank God that you don't know what I'm talking about. But here's what some independent, fundamental Baptist or so-called churches will teach and are teaching. Well, actually put on their website. They believe that homosexuals, those involved in that sin of sodomy, should be killed. <laughs> That's what they put wide open out there for everybody to read. That's what they believe. Now, you know where they get that? We have the God of grace, right? We have the gospel of grace, right? I'm telling you, it's almost like it's a project. It's almost like it's planned to not come across gracious. And we forget the power of God's graciousness and his goodness and his mercy and all that. But watch, I'm going to I'm going to show you where they get the fact where they get their belief as a New Testament church. That all homosexuals should be killed, which is absolutely ridiculous to think that. And it's even more ridiculous to put it out there on the website, the World Wide Web for everybody to see it. But here's where they get it. Leviticus chapter 20, verse number 13. I want you to stay with me. Here's what it says. If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. Man with man, that's an abomination. That's real clear. Everybody got it. Now watch this. They shall surely be put to death. Now, is that pretty easy to understand? Now, that's where they get that idea that instead of witnessing to a homosexual, instead of telling them about Jesus and how to be saved, they say, well, they should be put to death. Now, now if I preached it that way, wouldn't that be pretty? Oh, wow. I never saw that. Except uh, let's read verse nine. Let's go back to verse number nine. For everyone that curses his father or mother shall be surely put to death. <laughs> if you're going to follow verse 13, guess what? <laughs> Anybody that's ever cursed their mommy or daddy, you got to put them to death too. 
before you know it, you just wiped out half the town. Amen. <laughs> I'm just telling you in the same chapter of scripture, you took a verse, you hobby horse that verse, you rest the scripture to your own destruction because you fail to follow verse number nine. It does not fit. Um, verse number 10. And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. You don't need COVID-19. You can just wipe out the whole population right there. Or, or at least half of it. You know how much adultery is going on? They say 50%. Now, just in verse number nine, just in verse number 10, just in verse number 13, if you're going to apply verse 13, you've got to apply verse nine and 10. Now go all the way back. What's the solution to all this? It's not killing people that do sins that you don't commit. You know what the solution is? Reading and understanding the Bible. Go back to the beginning of the chapter. Look at verse number 20 and we'll just settle the matter. And the Lord spake unto the New, the New Testament church. No. The Lord spoke unto who? Moses. And what did he say? Again, thou shalt say to the members of the Baptist church. It doesn't say that. To the children of Israel. This is speaking to. This is the Lord. Speaking to Moses. And the Lord telling Moses. To speak to the children of Israel. It's not for us. We are not the children of Israel. Now. There's a lot in Leviticus chapter 20. It never thought it'd be getting it get exciting, would you? Now go go to verse number 27. We wouldn't have anybody living if look what it says at the end of the chapter. We looked at the middle of the chapter, verse 13. We saw what they wanted to do. Be consistent. They have to do it in verse 9 and 10, which they're not. We saw who it was speaking to in the beginning of the verse, in the beginning of the chapter. Let's go to the end and tie up one last thought. A man also or a woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. Well, there goes all of Disney. They got all these wizard shows and it's not a fun little cartoon character anymore. You know what they put on Mickey? A wizard's hat. You fly into Orlando Airport, you're going to come out, and they're going to have Mickey, and he's going to have a wizard's hat, and he's going to have a wizard's wand, which how they get kids. It's not about – it'd be different if it's a fun little mouse. Now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up to say, do you know how many people would have to be wiped out from this earth? If Christians are to follow what's in Leviticus chapter number 20, that would be a whole lot. You know why we aren't following Leviticus chapter 20? Two reasons. We're not Moses. We're not the children of Israel. We're New Testament Christians. This was written to the nation. 
so that the nation would know how to govern the nation. And things are pretty rough back then. Because <laughs> you came home with a Ouija board, guess what? Mom and dad better hide it real quick because when the priests see it, everybody's about ready to get killed. <laughs> God blessed the nation physically when they obeyed his command. And when they didn't obey his commands, they were cursed physically, their bodies, death, disease, their land, crops, battles. It was all physical blessings, physical curses. There's a difference between the nation and the church. We're New Testament Christians. We don't follow Moses's law. Our blessings that come from God are spiritual in nature. We don't kill a homosexual. We don't kill Mickey. <laughs> we don't kill those involved with witchcraft. We don't kill those that curse their mother and father. We tell them the good news of this living Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We point them to somebody that can give them spiritual blessings and we point them to someone that can graciously take away all that junk in their life. The law won't take it away. And every time somebody points to a law and says, "You see, you don't do that law, they can point right back to you and say, you know what? You don't do that. Am I telling the truth? We better get a hold of Galatians 5 and get some fruit of the Spirit telling you we better instead of binding yourself or someone else to something that cannot produce righteousness which was circumcision here in Galatians 5 wait on expect the Holy Spirit to continually weekly daily hourly produce fruit in your life it's exciting to be in it, being a Christian because we have something to look forward to every day. Oh, what's the spirit going to produce in my life today? What fruit is he going to produce in my life today? Most people struggle with bitterness, anger, and resentment because they hold on to something they shouldn't hold on to. Now, I'm not saying I got it all worked out in my life. All I'm saying is, we can hold on to graciousness, joy, peace, long. Okay. There's no hope in this doubting. You can be 100% confident in it. You better move on. I parked a little bit longer than I wanted to, but it's okay. Galatians chapter 5. Get back there. Galatians chapter 5, we have the hope of righteousness. The hope of righteousness. It's a real possession of the believer that we've got. Number two, first one is we wait. Number two, we live by faith. This is the Christian life. Faith motivates your hope. <laughs> 
faith excites your expectation. In other words, I can't wait to see what God is going to manifest in my life today. Let's get Romans chapter 8. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8. Anybody here predestination? Let's read verse 29. Romans chapter 8, verse number 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to go somewhere. No. But a lot of people read that verse with to go somewhere inserted into it. They get that in their head somehow. I don't know how. Maybe by reading authors that have a philosophy that doesn't line up with the Bible. But I said that on purpose to get you to think and read what it says. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to what? To be. In Christ, you are predestinated to be something. What is that? To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You aren't predestinated to go somewhere. You're predestinated to be something. We should all be conformed to be more like our Savior. Expect that to happen. Expect that fruit to be produced. Number three, back in Galatians chapter number five, our third point, well, number one, we wait. Number two, we live by faith. Number three, rituals do not produce righteousness. All that becomes is a flesh show. You're not doing my rituals. You see how spiritual we are. Quit it with that. Rituals do not produce righteousness. The Bible says for Galatians 5, here we are. Verse 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. You see that word for? It's there it is again. It's our contrasting word. And it says, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth. Availeth shows up four times in the Bible. One in the Old Testament. In James 5, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then two out of the four, it shows up in Galatians in chapter 5 and chapter 6. And both of them refer or regard circumcision. And what God's trying to get us to see here is for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. It don't matter if you're circumcised or not. That is not going to do you any good. As a New Testament Christian, all that will be is a ritual. Did you have, did, was he circumcised? No, don't bring him into the church house. Which common sense would tell you, how would a woman get saved? <laughs> It doesn't even make sense when you really just think about it. Basically, circumcision avails you nothing. If you want to do that right, 
That is your choice. If you don't want to do that right or that ritual, that does not make your son less spiritual than a family who chose that. It doesn't do anything for your spiritual condition. It's a fleshy thing. It's flesh. And anything you do out of the flesh avails you anything. Well, isn't it the new baptism? No. Baptism is a fleshy thing. The flesh goes into water and it comes out of water. It symbolizes something. Christians should do it. I believe in it. Our church stands for it. But I'm not going to force somebody underwater to make them part of a church that if they trusted Christ are already part of the church. What about the local church? Well, yeah, they should. They're in Christ. They should participate in the local church. But for us to force something physical on someone to make them to avail them righteousness, the ritual doesn't produce righteousness. Circumcision doesn't produce righteousness. Baptism doesn't produce righteousness. Church membership doesn't produce righteousness. Good works don't produce righteousness because you tell people about the loss more than somebody else tells people about the loss. That doesn't produce you righteousness. You know where it comes? It tells us right in verse six. Look at it. The second word in. You're not valuable because you have ritual rituals. You're valuable because you're in. In who? Jesus Christ. Your value comes in the merit of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Rituals are a bad investment. Bad investment. Being in Christ is a good investment. Well, shouldn't we do things? I didn't say we shouldn't. We should. But in the power of what? Your flesh that's just impulsive. Your flesh that wants a reputation. Your flesh that wants to be recognized as the people that do. And then fill in the blank. I'm telling you, the flesh is powerful. And unless we get a hold of in Christ, we will always default to a ritualistic dead religion. Rituals do not produce righteousness. Only Jesus Christ does. Fourth one. Circumcision, it says, doesn't avail anything, nor uncircumcision. It doesn't avail you nothing. But there's something that does avail, faith. And that's point number four. Our last point for this morning is faith does avail. Look what it says at the end of verse number six. But faith which worketh by love. Part of the defining trait of faith is that it produces something. Faith produces love. James 2 says, faith without works is dead. Faith actively is in the business of production. It's a production industry. That's what faith is. We see it 22 times used in the book of Galatians alone. We see it 16 times used in the book of James. Let's, let's go to the book of James. 
Hebrews and then James, and we'll get into the second chapter. Number one, verse number one, it says the first two words, my brethren. Who is James speaking to? Who would be the brethren and the sistren? That would be Christians, those that have already put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it says, my brethren, it's written, it's written to save people. And then it says, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of, of persons. The faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Note that. Verse number five. Look what it says in the middle of the verse. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith? I want to be rich in faith. Money can buy you things. And money can produce things in your life physically. But if you're rich in faith, the expectation is that the Holy Spirit will produce things in your life by faith. You must have faith. Faith produces. Look at verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren? Again, these are believers. Though a man say he hath faith. So you're a brother or sister in the Lord, and you say you've got faith to lost people, let's say. And have not works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food. And one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. What does all that mean? That means we say we're Christians. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We've been saved by the grace of God. And we say we have faith in God, saved by God's grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we all leave here and we see somebody that's destitute and they ask us for help. And we say, ah, you're on your own, buddy. Is, any gonna, is anybody going to believe that you're a Christian by the way that you act? No. Now, you might be saved, but you're not living a Christian life. That man needs some help. Offer that man some help. Or you ain't convincing anybody of anything. It's not you need to do works to get saved. It's you are saved and if you want people to believe your testimony, you better act like a Christian. All right, where are we? Verse, eight, uh, verse 18, last thing I want to look at in James. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith. By my works. Faith is action. Faith, what he's saying in verse 18 is, if you say it and it doesn't produce anything, nobody's buying it. Nobody's buying it. 
Faith exercises itself through love. How do we help somebody spiritually that's lost? We give them the gospel. We show them the way of the Savior. Out of love. Not out of, I just want to show you that we're better. That is not what Christianity is about. If we knock on someone's door, we're going to hand out a gospel track, we're going to preach open air, we're going to wear a t-shirt that says Jesus saves, we're going to put a bumper sticker on our car. It is not to say we are better. It is to say we are just like you, sinners in need of a savior. We've found that savior. We want you to come to a knowledge of that savior because we love you. Because we love you. Not because we think we're any better. Matter of fact, most, at least Bible believing Christians knew they were worse and are just thankful that the Lord brought them here to this point in their life. Ritualistic religion exercises itself not through faith through vain glory it gives your flesh a place to boast to say oh see see what we do what we do without doesn't prove the within franchise religion always puts the emphasis on the outward and they forget the inward Franchise religion always wants somebody to conform to what they're doing outwardly and they forget about the inwardly. And the Bible says faith in Galatians 5, which worketh by love. You know where that's produced from within. And that's why it says in Galatians 5, this is why it says. For in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, inward, it has to happen inward, and it will produce the outward. It will produce the good works. It will change what you want to listen to. It'll change the way the dress codes that you adopt. It'll change the places that you go to on Friday night. It will change the desires that manifest themselves in the outward things that you do. It'll change your desire to where your money goes. It'll change your desire to the way that you interact with others and your family and just go on down the road. We're in Christ. He dwells within us. The production of the fruit comes from within and it shows itself outward. We're not against standards or, or any of that we're not against following God's commands we're for all of that but we're not for it by producing it outwardly and trying to make a show we are for allowing the Lord and the Holy Spirit and us yielding to him to produce it inwardly so that it comes out and it's not forced out you tell your child for 16 years not to steal it's wrong. The Bible says it wrong. Why does he go steal? Because he wants to. Why did he want to? Because inwardly he had a desire. 
laws and commands do restrain. Now lift the laws and commands. What do people do? What they want to do. So what do you want to do? Live by the spirit or live by the flesh? You live by the spirit, allow that to work, and it'll produce something righteous in your life. All right, last two verses. The Bible says in John 4, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Expect the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in your life. Legalists will always expect and always want you to jump on board with rituals and produce something outward. We want produce production of fruit that comes from the spirit inwardly and shows itself outwardly. Lastly, the Bible says for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many. We're down to the glory of God, which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Let's enjoy that renewal each and every day. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.